Welcome in, everybody, to the latest episode of All Things NBA. I'm Chris Percyinen. I'm here alongside the usual suspects, Zach Noble, Albert Nguyen, and we're joined by a very, very, very special guest to me, to Nick fans everywhere, to the NBA landscape at this point, which, wow, hello, Jonathan Macri, folks, the man who has inspired me greatly in my journey in sports media thus far. We're four years into that somehow, um, almost five. And I could like cry talking about how far I've come since taught texting John while sitting in the front row of health class. Cause I couldn't sit in the back with my friends. Cause I got in trouble for talking and mm. talking and texting him about, dude, I think I just like want to work in sports media. Like I might just major in journalism, like all this, all these things um, going to college where John went to undergrad and law school. Uh, <laughs> I remember when I first got here, he wrote, we co-wrote an article in which he said I would have Pugsley's pizza cheese oh. stuck between my ass crack um throughout my my undergrad career and that is a line that for better or for worse will stick with me forever uh as i do visit pugsley's quite often john welcome to all things nba from a to z first of all how the hell are you uh i'm good that was quite an intro uh i'm good uh happy to be on i got um we're recording this on was this late pretty late thursday night so i just i got a little Blazers Suns uh preseason action I just threw on. Scoot Henderson, man. Scoot Henderson looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. Nice size on that kid. I don't think I'd ever realized he will, he will be big. bumping. Guys will Garrett. be bumping off him at the rim. Yeah, Very, man. Yeah. He's gonna be he's gonna be good. Um, yeah, I'm good. Uh you're making me hungry talking about Pugsley's. I'll say that. Um good 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 pizza at Pugsley's and, and open late, most importantly. Mm-hmm. The chicken bacon ranch has has saved many a night. Listen, we're here to continue our season preview series. Obviously, the team in question, the New York Knickerbockers. John, I want you to start us off by telling me and and our lovely uh, co-hosts here and, of course, our listeners, what are the expectations for the Knicks this season if you want to talk both your read on internally but also – like you, you know, like people who follow the team closely, who who pretty much know what to expect. What lens are we looking at this team through? Is this, hey, you know, these guys are up there and they've got to be up there. Is this it's they they should be up there, but it's fine if they're not. You know, what what lens do you evaluate this season through? What are you loading into your camera right now ahead of 2024? Um, I feel like that's a popular question right now. Um. And I'm not sure. So it's weird because I feel like there, if you, if you ranked, if you graded out every team in the NBA by the clarity of the answer to that very question, the Knicks would would certainly be in the bottom. I think the Knicks would certainly be in the bottom third of the league in terms of clarity, not expectations, but clarity, because there are, uh, I don't know, to eight, 10, 12 teams that if they don't win the championship this year, it will, it would be considered a, a disappointment of in some respect, right. By their internally or by the team themselves or by their fan base or, or whatnot, or what have you. And then, you know, there are 
another eight, 10, 12 teams of which there are, I don't want to say no expectations, but if like, if the team made the, the playoffs, right, it would be considered, okay, that's, it's a nice season. Right. And then there's this group of teams in the middle, which again, I'm, I keep like eight, 10, 12, whatever, about a third of the league, probably a little bit less than a third of the league where it's like, okay, if they make the first round of the playoffs and have a hard fought seven game series to a, a team that could be considered their equal, maybe their superior, that would be considered okay. Maybe. Or do they need to get to the second round? Or is there any world where they like, you know, uh, don't even push a team that far in the first round of the playoffs, you know, and if it's a clearly a better team or whatever, I feel like the Knicks are in that category. Um, that, that impossible to predict category because putting a number on it and then the playoff yeah. bracket shakes out a certain way. It's like, Oh, well now I don't agree with myself. Like I, I get, I get it. Yeah. I mean, like I, you know, I love the NBA.com's um, like John Schulman just uh, was in charge of it this year. The, the, the preseason GM, um, survey like there was almost a, a a fifth of the gm surveyed around the league i guess so the exact number would be five five out of 30 gms thought the knicks would finish in third in the east think about that for a second five out of 30 gms and then another um that's crazy. 10 right because they're 33 yeah so another a third of the league thought they would finish in fourth in the east so that's- that is that is half of the gms around the league thought the Knicks would finish, think the Knicks are going to finish with home court advantage, which is wild when you say it out loud. Um, because I think there's a, there are many worlds where the Knicks don't finish with home court advantage in the East. And like, it, it is still considered a successful season. So I, the, what I've been saying, and, and I, I, I apologize in advance for this being kind of vague and, and kind of wishy-washy, but like, I think we'll know it if we see it, you know, um, I think there's a world where the Knicks could have an extraordinarily successful regular season in terms of wins, maybe even if you want to say net rating and based on how they perform in the playoffs, the season is considered a disappointment. And I also think there was a world where like, let's say they finish in the sixth seed or even fifth, sixth seed, something like that. And they look a certain type of way in the first round. And maybe you don't, don't even get out of the first round, but they, they perform in such a way or certain players perform in such a way, um, you know, during the regular season and the postseason, where it's like, okay, this is significant, whether it improves their value as trade assets, whether it, it, it improves their standing moving forward, you know, any any or all of the above. Um, so I, I, I don't have a great answer. I know for me, like I know here's what I'll say. I'll I'll know what's not a good season. Right. Because I've been watching this team for long enough to know, like, I'm, I'm going to know if I see something that's not good. And I'll know if I see something that, that's good. I think we kind of have to wait and see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, from an outsider looking in, John, so Albert here, you know, located in Dallas, I'm not tied with the Knicks as closely as as you guys, but if you look at prior to Tibolo's reign, right, his era, so it was seven straight seasons of, of losing seasons for the Knicks. So it makes sense that there's so many, so much optimism, right, around New York. Um, his first year, he went 41 and 31 in that shortened, you know, um, um shortened season so i mean that was a 57 win percentage last year was 57.3 win percentage so they are expecting um you know on upwards and onwards they went 47 35 yes last year so if if the players continue to improve i guess to to craft chris's questions question differently if the players continue to improve 
Brunson and quickly and those guys, and they make that jump. Is this a 50 win team? What is, what is, what is this definition of success for this team? <laughs> you mentioned Tibbs, so I'll give a Tibbs answer. Could be, uh, could be a 50 win team. Uh, no, I, um, here, here's where I'll, the only pushback I'll give about the possibility that they win 50 is like, okay. Teams win 50 every year. There's like, I don't know, six, seven, eight teams that win 50 every year. So it, it seems extraordinarily attainable, right? And at the same time, you look at the NBA this year, and this is more a commentary on the far more of a commentary on the team, on the league at large than the Knicks. Like I, I, I just said, I'm, I turn on TV and I, I, the Blazers are on, right? The Blazers have Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. The second lowest over under in the league, right? Maybe third. It's, uh, it's, you know, depends on what book there's you, the wizards. There's the wizards at 20. Wizards are the half. last. Wizards are the bottom, and then after the Wizards, I, I'm pretty sure the Blazers are the next team Pistons, of, for most sports books. Pistons. You might be able to get the Pistons at less than than less. Okay, so they're bottom three, right? And I'm looking at this team, and I'm like, okay, you got Scoot Henderson, who would be a number one pick in a lot of years. Looks like he's ready to win in the NBA, right? Or at least be a productive NBA player in the league right now. I promise, I'm going to stop talking about the about the Blazers soon. But like, you got DeAndre Aiden. Number one overall pick, new scene, a lot of expected of him, like Jeremy Grant, um, you know, Shane Sharp, you know, um, whom uh, Anthony Simons, you know, average 20 points. Like this is supposed to be the th- second or third worst team in the league. This is the where we're at right now in the NBA, where it I never in my lifetime, at least, can I remember this amount of parody and this amount of like it's any- awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's fucking great if you're an NBA fan and you're not rooting for any particular team when you when you have to like be biting your nails every friggin' night because you're like, oh my god, is my is my team can my can my team just get an easy win? Um, from that perspective, I'm like, man, fifty is a lot. Uh, can they, yeah, can they do it? Sure, they they can do it, but I I could probably say the same thing about. I don't know. I feel like I could say the same thing about half the teams in the league. Is there a world where like they could win 50 shows a world where they could 50, but I, I think like with a lot of teams, some stuff has to break right because on the flip side of that is like, how many teams are you like, all right, well just throw the basketball out there on the floor. You know, they're going to get 50 this year. I, you know, when you consider like injuries, age issues, like adjustment issues to like new roster stuff. It's like, I don't know how many of those teams out there are there. So yeah, I think they're in the in the boat with like another ten or twelve teams in the league where it's like, yeah, fifty's a reasonable possibility. I, I'm not sure I'd pick that number, but I, it's possible. So my read on the team is like expectation wise is if they don't win, let's say 45, 46, finish six seed or better, that Tibbs probably out the door unless they have a first round upset. Call me crazy, but that's the read I'm getting. Um, I want to know from your end, like expectations on Tibbs like yes a hard fought first round series um, going to six or seven games with a great team or a good team Uh, but like if they best case scenario in my opinion is if everybody reached their full ceiling the only player that I think that can make a huge difference and get much better is RJ Barrett I don't and I used to be Mm. much higher on RJ last year I went down quite a bit Um, I think he can still get a little better but Jalen Brunson Maybe he keeps surprising people. Maybe he levels up a little more, but you can't expect much more than last year out of Jalen Brunson. I, uh, so with that said, maybe the team 
just comes more together as a unit, but is Tibbs that type of guy or is it Jalen Brunson leading this team and connecting everybody and raising their ceiling, being that type of player um, that just makes everyone around them better. And maybe they get to 52 wins. Maybe they get to a second or uh, luckily just sneak into the conference finals type of thing as the ultimate 10, 20% scenario in my mind. So I guess two part question. The first would yeah. be how does Tibbs keep his job? And then second off, where do you see this team getting that upside of being better than last year? If you do see any upside, I'm going to jump in before John and let him filibuster to think for four seconds and say that. I don't know if I agree with the framing of the, fr- I would say what, what has to happen for Tibbs to lose his job? I wouldn't say, yeah. How does Tibbs keep his job? I, I, I think that's where we are. I think he is keeping his job with where we are until a superstar comes oh, and says, I don't think it's in jeopardy. If don't. a superstar comes and says, I'm coming here, if you dump him, I still think the Knicks would make the superstar try it out and then fire him midseason. If they like, I just I get that read. Mm. So, John, Chris, first of all, I'll say that Chris is the better person to answer any question about Tibbs than I am because he's, he's more plugged in than I am at this point in terms of like, I think they're look. <laughs> We could talk for a half an hour about this. Um, politics at the Garden has always been a thing. Um, there's, you know, <laughs> being a voice that has James Dolan's ear has 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 it, like it, it goes a long way. Now, I don't know how to analyze that aspect of it. I oh God, we're really going off track with like Dolan really. I, like he's been out of out of the basketball ops for a while now. Um, but now that he has the sphere thing and like it's become like basically like this revolutionary entertainment venue and like he really has that to latch on to. I, I really think he I, I maybe this is naive of me. I think he's he's pretty much out. I think it would take I, I can tell you he has been involved in or not even him directly, just as a result of that side of things at that address. Yeah. The, the classic white jerseys were removed uh, before even <laughs> getting to the store because he didn't like them. That, okay, was, that was that was him. Wow. Also, th- there were some big PR shakeups. Yeah. So so stuff like season. that. Stuff like and that. But that's not that, yeah. I don't hear Otherwise any mention of a 90, money. I don't nice. hear any mention of a 94 foot hardwood in those cha- in those changes. Yeah. And and I think it would take something where like enough people in his orbit would have to like be chirping in his ear to be like, Hey man, you better look into this. This stuff's going really sideways here. I don't think anything, I don't think anything's going on. Um, that would, that would bring him to like, it, they would really, the, the, things would have to really go awry for Dolan to come in here and, and go to Leon who he trusts. Clearly he trusts. Um, he's always trying to trust, <laughs> trust him to run the team before he was running the team, uh, for him to come in and be like, Hey man, what, like what's going on here? We, you know, I think, and again, I would lean more on Chris on this than 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 me. It seemed like at the be, uh, yeah, at the beginning of last season, we were maybe veering in that direction. Where I know uh, Chris's colleague Ian Begley reported that there were some outside, at least one outside executive, kind of uh, uh, you know, circling the circling the waters. like oh if if Tibbs get fired or it maybe even if Leon gets fired maybe interest in the job or whatever I think we're so far away from that like things are so good right now 
And so that's the easiest way I could answer the Tibbs question. I completely agree with the way Chris framed it, which is like something would have to happen. And even if they, if it's a successful season and they're on the verge of making a star trade, I honestly do think it would, they would make the trade first. And they'd be like, let's see how it goes with Tibbs because even with Leon, even with all the trust that Dolan has in him, um, you know, front offices get a coach, right? They get a, or a second coach, right? They get, they get their coach and then they get to fire the coach and they get another coach. Typically, sometimes front offices get more than that, but you, you're guaranteed at the very least to get a second opportunity at a coach. So you don't want to, you don't want to blow that shot. And there's no reason to blow that shot with Tibbs. Tibbs is, Tibbs is, Tibbs is ham and Swiss, man. Uh, it's like, you know, <laughs> For a franchise that's been starving for as long as they have, like, you, you know what you got there. And I think he came along. I'm a, a huge fan of his, m- more so than most. And I think there's a lot to be said for what he brings. Now, as far as the other th- uh, the thing I'll push back on is what you said about, like, who's getting much better on this roster. I think there's four or five guys on this roster that could make a significant improvement. And it's funny you mentioned Brunson. Again, this may sound crazy, and and he's like he is the guy that has made me a a tr- like I'm I'm a fan, obviously I'm a fan of the team, but like made me like I've said it, made me like a kid again in how I root for this team. Like Jalen oh, Brunson makes me believe in things that I shouldn't believe in, because here is this guy who was like man, doubted all his life. Obviously, second round pick, the whole thing. Mavs didn't want to give him fifty five million dollars, which is going to go down as one of the worst decisions in the history of basketball, especially if things keep going awry in Dallas. Not to rub it in. Um, but <laughs> I mean, real. I mean, if he, if if Luca, if this season goes poorly and and Luca real and Luca is be ours to too. Let's out. be honest. <laughs> I whatever. We don't have to go there. Um, but like, I don't know. Why can't jail? I I I the comp I'm going to make is a comp that has been made before, and I don't love the comp because they are not similar player types at all in terms of what they do, what side of the floor they excel on, so far, so on and so forth. But like, why can't? Jalen Brunson beat Chauncey Billups in terms of I was of waiting impact. on it. I was waiting. I knew it. I knew no, it. No, in terms who of said, it, who says he's not better already? Well, but so accolades, right? Jalen uh history. Billups. Jalen Brunson on that team, they win. You yeah, I'm but I'm so I'm just talking accolades, right? But Billups, um, I don't have it in front of me. I want to say he made th- uh five five. I know we made five all NBA teams. I want to say he finished fifth in MVP once. Oh, wow. Maybe sixth another time or something like that. But like Brunson has yet to like Brunson got a one MVP. Five All Stars, three uh, NBA, yeah. three All NBA for Billups. Sorry, okay, so I was I was off by two. Um, you know Brunson got a fifth place MVP vote last season out of a hundred votes. He has a long way to go before he's consistently showing up like in like higher in the ranks like Billups did because the Pistons were one of the best teams in the league. The Knicks were not that last year. But what who's to say that, that Brunson couldn't get to again, not comparing them as players even though they play the same position, but who's to say that Brunson can't get to that level? Um so there's him. I agree with Barrett. I think Barrett can get I think Barrett will get better. I think Barrett arguably is the safest bet to get better. Wow. Um although this I for also- John, this for John is development i think in regards to not from you know right now i'm not saying this is some new thing this is this goes back a couple months to the playoffs but for i i'm just to contextualize for anyone who somehow has heard this show and not john's god bless (laughs) you first of all if you exist that this is this is different for john 
that this is a different direction of projection. And, you know, I always think I never think John ever said, oh, RJ won't get better. RJ won't this and this. I just think the confidence is there now that this is someone on track to somewhere. And that, you know, for a Knicks team that came from starting him at point guard and Alonzo Trier and yeah. Ellington and, yeah. you know, that good times. That's the Leon Rose thing right there. I have to add for all of you, but especially John, that Chauncey, uh, you know, when I first found out a couple years ago that Chauncey Billups was drafted to the Celtics and that Celtics head coach Rick Pitino didn't. Nah. Like, I was like, the who head coach who didn't like who? <laughs> like, that was the biggest, like, mind blowing. I had no idea any of that had happened. I didn't know Patino had coached the Celtics. I didn't know Billups was drafted there. I didn't know the, I didn't know yeah. any of this because I was born in 2002. <laughs> but um that that's that's a fun, you know, whatever. Slap in the face from to me from history like I dude, mean the, study up. <laughs> the real kicker well I, I don't know. You could I mean because he, he was he had obviously a cup of coffee in Denver. But the real kicker is probably Minnesota because he in Minnesota I pretty sure that's where it was where he already started to show signs of being the guy he became in Detroit. And they did kind of, we called him chonky in Minnesota, my man, <laughs> but they didn't bring him, but they didn't bring him back house. Yeah. And, and it was Detroit who, who got the, got to read. It was a regret, anyway. still a regret. I, I think, I think that's the thing you see um, Kyle Lowry and Mike Conley need like four to five years before becoming guys where yeah, you're like, sure. I, I'm confident that I can play them in my rotation for a lot of minutes. Not well, even like, this is a good starting point guard. Kyle Lowry shot something like twelve percent from three his first year. It was and then, but that's a different. good transition to the one other guy I wanted to. I want, well, I want to mention Quentin Grimes. I think Quentin Grimes could get a lot better, um, and will get a lot better. And then the last guy is Emmanuel Quickly. I mean, you talk about how much it takes to to learn the point guard position. Um, I I'm still not sure. I long term I could see a world where the Knicks keep Bronson and quickly just because I, I mean i just i see quickly as a point guard um you know I, I that's the way the game is now i i he, he could start for some i don't know what the roster has to be for quickly to start but he could obviously start he's good enough to start he's, he's he'll keep getting better he puts in the work he's an orlando today sure i mean but you could name five or six other teams probably at least he, yeah. he could start for them and i can tell you I, that when when other teams thought that the knicks weren't so gung-ho sure. on, on keeping him. The number was in the double digits of teams that called and checked sure. in several times with the New York Knicks on the availability of Emmanuel quickly. A couple of those teams, to be specific, Los Angeles Clippers really wanted him. They didn't, you know, New York had a price that they were not going to meet. They went out and made a reaction move, signing John Wall. That might make... The later move, getting Bones Highland, make a little more sense, knowing oh. they had interest in quickly. The another team that was very interested in quickly, specifically to to pair him with Anthony Edwards, was the Minnesota Timberwolves. Well, that's and that and I wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> we're really getting off track. If if this season goes well in Philadelphia, and then uh, Leon is 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 looking around the summer and is like, man, I wonder if I have to pull a trigger on something. I wonder if the Minnesota thing wouldn't come up again. But like any team with like a a, a primary that's your that's a that's a two or a three or I guess a four in LA's case. I don't know what Kawhi is at this point. Um, but like, yeah, quickly makes perfect sense. Um, so, and I think he'll, he'll keep getting better. So I think the Knicks have a lot of guys that can get, I mean, tell me, tell me Mitchell Robinson gets better. Like, I believe that. 
You know, yes, I'm um, just talking a significant leap that gets the team to a so, higher ceiling. So, but that's the thing, though. Is I like, think it's a cumulative leap, right? It's like the the whole team as a yeah. That's precisely it. Is like our and I think they're and I've been, again, this is a theme I kind of been bringing up on my show a lot, which is that. I think this year's Knicks are going to be a team that kind of tests the theory of like, okay, well, how, how far can you get? How much can you improve? If like you, okay, great. You don't have a top, you know, a prototypical top 10 player. Right. Um, But like you have a bunch of guys who are all pretty good. And a few guys who are really, really good and they work really well together and they're well coached and they're prepared and all of the things. Right. And they're all getting a little bit like, you, like I know, I, again, I'm not, I'm not killing you for for the way you phrase the question, but at the same time, I would I would even ask like, who's the guy on this team who you're like, well, they're definitely getting worse, right? Or they're definitely not getting better. I think you could. I mean, they have a nightmare rotation. You could argue that every single player in that nightmare rotation could be could be better next year than they were last year, which is a which is a crazy thought, but I I don't think it's a lie. Uh, you know, when you consider the ages of all these guys and and. And um, kind of their makeup and all that stuff. So, um, I don't even remember what the original question was, but I hope that answered. No, that's good. That's <laughs> fair. Let Albert in here. Oh, is it me? No, Chris yeah. is you. Al, go ahead, man. If you got nothing, I'll just edit this out for okay. this upcoming season. Um, you know, you we're talking about Grimes. We're talking about quickly, right? It, it seems as if this Knicks team invites more discussion about what they will be than what they are. Yeah. Um, I, I think the reason yeah. for that is because of the advantageous situation that they're in regarding the ratio of however you want to quantify it, how good they are right now to future capital mortgaged. And that first number is pretty high relative to the rest of the league. That yep. second number is pretty low relative to teams that are in their conference that they're better than that they're worse than now last season. We talked a lot about the bulls, um, the draft picks, they gave up the Hawks, the draft picks, they gave up mm-hmm. the Timberwolves, the draft picks, they gave up the Cavaliers, the draft picks, they gave up as teams that were examples of buying into a star at the peak of the star price before yep. the market was about to crash. And now we're watching it crash. You just saw what Damian Lillard went for. You just saw what Bradley Beal went for. Right. And I know those are two very specific circumstances, but the, the market crashed. OK, and the Knicks are now sitting pretty with everything they could ask for. Good players, good picks. That's why people talk about the future of this team more than what they are right now, because what they are right now, in my opinion, for the last several seasons has not mattered. And I mean that I know that's yeah, I know I, I, I that sounds agree. harsh, but it's because of Thibodeau. It's because of the talent. There is a floor there. It doesn't matter where they land if it's the third, fifth, fourth, or eighth seed because it eventually you're going to take some of these guys and you're going to trade them along with some of those picks and you're going to bring in a top talent in the league. So, John, so, the reason so I built- Chris, Chris, John, I guess my challenge to that, right, is every team or every every fan base has that utopian idea of like, okay, yes. we're going to accumulate all these assets we're going to still somehow stay relevant while we're accumulating said assets, whether well, it's draft it. capital, yeah, whether it's draft capital, players, young players, or great contracts. Um, so they are definitely doing it, right? That's checkbox one. But then checkbox two is a hard one, is actually finding that superstar or that, uh, you know, 
big player, whether it's Giannis, Embiid, whatever the case may be, it's a very finite number, limited number of players that you can actually go for. So let's say you accumulate all these assets and you timing wise or whatever the case may be, it just doesn't happen. And then you have to end up pay, overpaying. Well, like so I'll, here's where I'll push back on that. I think th- here's the, here's the nice thing about the situation they're in in terms of who they'd be looking at. Right. <clears throat> um, I think there's a pretty l- clear line of demarcation between the guys who you give up everything for right now. Again, I, I hate, I hate putting it in those terms because there will be fans that will listen to that and they'll be like, well, wait, you're going to give everything for Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's always injured. And he like can't perform in the playoffs and he's like going to be 30. And like, he's, you know, the whole, like you give up the farm for Embiid. You give up whatever oh, you yeah, have to give up. No like question. there's no, there's no negotiation. I mean, there, I'm sure there'll be some negotiation, but it's like, whatever, if that's the guy, right. If he's the guy that's on your doorstep, it's like, okay, well, you know, you could do worse. The guy won just won the MVP. Right. You give up whatever you have to give. Now, again, I would lean back on Chris. Like, is that number one in their wish list? Is he number two? Is he number three? Like, whatever he is. The the point is, he's he's going to be high, right? He's high on their wish list. He's a very, he's a very good player. Um, So, like, and I think, again, it, like, if it's him, is if things go crazy in Milwaukee, or, you know, if things go crazy in Dallas, or if, you know, I, I guess stuff really goes bad in like Phoenix, you know, like, like we know who all the guys are, right. Who are everybody in a perfect world would, would want, but we, we know who that, who those, those guys are. And then there are the guys that are clearly under that line. You're, Oh, they all came up this summer. It's like Carl Anthony towns and Zach Levine and, 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 you know, Bradley Beal, there was obviously he went to Phoenix, but like guys of that nature. And I, I'm not saying it'll, I'm not saying it'll be a great situation if like, you know, they're, they're stuck in this kind of middle ground where it's like the big, one of the big guys has not yet presented themselves as a possibility and they have to kind of continue to wade the waters of like, all right, well, how much do we pay for this B level player? Um, But I do think that, that the fact that there is that very clear line, that, that clear divide now, listen, eventually they will run out of time because of separate second apron issues and the fact that like quickly is getting extended and next summer, like Quentin Grimes is going to get extended and like so on and so forth. So the like the, 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 you're going to have to pay the Piper at some point, but like they have Brock Aller, who's the most, um, for anybody who doesn't know, he's their, their, their numbers guy, their cap guy, whatever you want to say. And who is arguably the best guy in the entire league in terms of like figuring out how to fit, uh, you know, a, a planet, uh, through a thimble and if if they if they need to to walk a tightrope to get to one more season right where they avoid the second apron so they can continue to be a little bit more more maneuverable right he's the guy you want so i myself have been like look guys there's a timeline here expect a big trade next summer because like that's the way this is all headed but like if they if they if they needed to push it to another year i don't think that's impossible um what i what i will say is if there's one thing Leon Rose has shown since he's taken over this team, it is restraint, which is not a word that is typically associated with this franchise. And um, I have, I they could have made a big trade this summer. I, I have no doubt that they could have made a big trade. Could, emphasis on could have if they were willing to give up whatever it would have taken, but they didn't. And I don't think they that because they didn't feel the need to. And I I applaud them for that. You know, um, so we'll see what happens. Ultimately, it's out of their control. 
ultimately someone good enough is going to have to ask out and then they're going to have to be the team that, um, you know, presents the best offer. And then within that, there's complexities of like player agency and, and all that stuff. And how much, how much do players really have the, the power to, to kind of push where they want to go. But again, I would go back to like, they're going to give up whatever it needs. They need to give up. So, so with that yeah. said, I mean, real quick, like, who do you think they could have got just Beal and Harden? Oh, I mean, they could trade for James Harden today. Uh, Right. Yeah. He mentioned Carl Anthony Towns. You said for sure they could have got somebody this summer. So, oh, I mean, like, so, okay. Let's talk about Zach Levine, right? So, Zach Levine, it's been reported ad nauseum, right? The Bulls are listening, right? Like, if you call them, they'll pick up the phone. I guarantee you, if the, okay, I shouldn't say guarantee. That's I would assume, I be very clear, I would assume. That the Knicks could have put together a package good enough where the Bulls would have hung up the phone and be like, well, shit, we can't say no to this. <laughs> like, send Zach Levine to the Knicks. And then, the, the you know, Leon Rose could have touted, like, here we go. We got our big three. Jalen Brunson, Zach Levine, Julius Randle. What would it have taken to get Zach Levine? I, I don't know. More than than should it should have, right? But they didn't do that. That's but that's like just one example. I, Towns, I would have like. Every, I don't think entire, Towns could be had this summer. I don't think. Yeah, the entire could. league knows Carla, and barring something really good next happening year. in Minnesota, yes. like yeah, next summer, next summer. Yeah. Um, you know sure. they're gonna we have to. No chance this summer. They they want to see Gobert and Towns together. I think they I, have to. I, I would let you. They have, have to see it. Take them uh, yeah. gladly. They but, have to see it. Um, Zach. They, yeah. Let me squeeze in here and say right. that with with where the team is right now, we're doing the star chasing talk, right? Of course, because like I was saying, that's the direction we're pointed in. But where I was leading to earlier was a question of looking at these guys like quickly and Grimes, looking around the roster at Barrett and at Randall. Um, if there is a number one superstar talent coming in, you want to optimize them with complementary players ideally let's let's try and play a little game here where you, where we sort <laughs> let's do some sorting guys <laughs> you can see having a great chance of sticking i would put grimes on that list guys you can see being moved off of sooner than later you know unless there's major improvement which i think is very reasonable to project and i project improvement myself I think Barrett is probably, you know, on that second list. Where are you at with Grimes quickly, Barrett, Robinson, sure, yeah. all these guys, even um, Randall? I think Brunson has locked himself in as as yeah, Brunson's not. whether Before it's as talked, X, I Y, think, or Z, he's part of the formula. Yeah. I think Randall's the only guy that really doesn't fit with just about anyone. I mean, outside of well, depending on what version of RJ shooting in his contract you're getting, but I don't think his contract, what? I'd go look. It's 20-ish, 23. Uh he's average of 26 and a half a year, but it's it's uh it's ascending, yeah, which is which I'd is notable. I prefer it down to 18, yeah. 20-ish, but I mean look. Unless he's shooting 40 like he was two years ago. Look, it, if Barrett phrase choose my words carefully. If Barrett plays up to the capabilities, no one's gonna mind the contract. Contract's fine. Um, Randall is to me and has been for years one of the most interesting players in the league because he's a big who you can't really play as a small ball five, right? Um, and so we're in a we're in a we're in a league right now where John Collins, you know, and to a lesser extent Obi Toppin get traded for 
you know, almost literally nothing. These are good. These are good NBA players who have very specific fits and they are fours, right? Who are offense first fours and, and the whole thing. And like Julius Randle is a version of that difference with Julius Randle is like, he, he's never going to be one of the elite shot creators in the league, but man, that dude, he's a, he's a pain in the ass to deal with. Like, I, I can't imagine any coaches like, Oh great. We get to play Julius Randle tonight. Now in the last five minutes of a close game, it's a different story. But like he's such a unique guy. And I think my my personal number one question for the last couple of years is like, what is Julius Randle is like the number three guy on a roster? I don't have the answer to that question. And if anybody says they have the number the answer to that question, I think they're lying. Because I think you just kinda of, we we kinda I just don't I just don't know. We've, he, we've seen it in New Orleans with a yeah, very different very five different years ago, you know of Julius. Yeah, it's like the skill set now guy, is is different. Yeah, is this a guy who's gonna like lean into all the things you need to like do to be Chris Bosch on the heat. Like I, that doesn't something about that doesn't compute. And at the same time to be like, all right, well, he can't be a number three. So I guess we got to throw him out. Like that doesn't make sense either. So I, I don't know what to do with that. So I'm putting, I'm going to put Randall aside for a second. Cause I just don't know. How, I frankly just don't know how to answer that question in terms of everybody else. I agree with kind of the way Chris phrases. I, I think, I think Quentin Grimes is the most malleable player. On the roster, he's the guy you could drop into any team in the league, and he'd he'd play minutes. Um, and I, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to quickly by putting him after Grimes. Just the difference is, I just I, I don't know. I I I like where I think Grimes is going as an on-ball defender. Like, I think he's a guy that, like, teams for the next five years, six years, seven years are going to be able to put put on the opposing team's point guard and feel good about that, right? And that has such value, um, to say nothing of his his movement shooting and all that. Quickly is different because his value is more on the ball, but he's also a stellar defensive player, but it's just like he's – but he's still – his size and I understand he has a long wingspan and he like overcomes the fact that he's kind of short and like I I'm really curious to see where where quickly is defensively specifically more of an on-ball role because I think he's one of the I don't know he's one of the five best off-ball defensive guards in the league today you know who the hell knows where he's gonna be in two three years so I feel like I'm I'm selling quickly short here but I think quickly is a guy that could stick around it's just again kind of a weird issue with Brunson and that whole thing and then Barrett it's like the shooting right is is Barrett going to be a 30 ever going to be a 38% three-point shooter? Is he is he going to be a guy who eventually teams are going to be like, well, we got to guard him? Um, I don't know. I, I, I wish I had the answer to that question. I'm sure the Knicks wish they had the answer to that question too. Yeah, you know, obviously it's a lot of unknowns with this team. Like I said, you're looking towards the unknown. You're looking towards – there's suspense, right? There's tension. You know something's coming. Everybody yeah. in the league knows something's coming. The thing is, I think an underrated aspect about this team is how good they are right now where they're at right now. Mitchell Robinson, to me, is a top eight center in the NBA. If I'm going to have to play it safe, if I have to write in ink a number, I'll give you top 10, right? That's genuinely good when you're looking at all-star Julius Randle, all-NBA Jalen Brunson. I know those two are switched in real life, but realistically, you know, that's probably where those designations land. An improved Barrett. And improved quickly, a confident quickly. Again, a perfect fourth or fifth starter in Grimes. The addition of DiVincenzo, the re-signing of Josh Hart, 
you're looking at a team that does have just a lot of good players. There are two teams in the NBA, John, that had six players land on the most recent top 100 list to to drop. And it was the Warriors and Knicks. And I think that says a great deal. Um, But I want to direct you to, I won't say our friends, our. Who is the sixth warrior? Looney, I'm assuming, right? Looney yeah. should be on it. If he's not on it, he should be. He's anyway, fine. But, but but I digress. Keep I won't sorry. say I, I, I won't say our friends in Vegas. I will say our our foes, our sworn enemies in Vegas. 44 and a half. 44.5. That is your magic number right now. I'm just going to give it to you straight. Give me over or under. Um Andrew and I just did our our uh East over unders last week for the KFS Patreon. I think we had the line he found for the Knicks was, I believe it was 45 and a half. So FanDuel is 45 and a half. DraftKings is 44 and Caesars is 46. Oh, 46, not 46 and a half. 46 and a half. Yeah. Oh, well. I'd go over. I'd go over on all of them. I'm not sure I'd go over on 47 and a half. Um, because again, I don't want to repeat what I said earlier, but it's just the league is in a great place right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I think the team is going to find itself in a lot of close games. I want to say, hold on, I'll give me give me half a second, um, because I think they played in the it, fifth most clutch games or uh, games last season where there was a clutch. Sit, situation um sorry they were tied for sixth so 45 out of their 82 games last season they were in a clutch situation which is a score within uh five points within the last five minutes of the game uh they were 24 and 21 in those situations with a positive three net rating which oh wait no sorry i'm looking at the Cavs. uh they were sorry they were they were worse than that hold on i'm spouting lies here they were 23 and 22 in those situations they were barely above 500 but <laughs> sorry they had a negative 10.7 net rating now how they could have be a game above 500 that means when they were that means to me when they were bad in the clutch they were god awful and when they were good they were just barely good enough to win the game right because ne- negative 10.7 in the clutch situations is not good it was one of the worst numbers in the league but they won more clutch games than they lost so the reason I bring that up is I think once again, because this team, despite the fact that they had the third best offense in the league, does not have the sort of over their their offense is is a hammer. It is it is not a um a jetpack, if that makes any sense. So like you want to look at football, it's it's a run game. Yes, it's it's <laughs> it's it's they, they might be Jim Brown, but it's still three yards in a cloud of dust. Ground, you know? ground and so, pound ground and pound. That's tips. Ground, yeah, but but again, it it, it worked. But be, and I think but, the league is. I think the league likes it. Look at look at the teams targeting offensive rebounds and creating you, second and possessions. You were all over this recently. I saw that. Which yes, completely. It's like t- coaches are always looking for 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 how, how can I zag. Um, my point is, I think they will be in a lot of close games again, and you know, who like how many of those games do they win? Like you could, you could win them. You could lose them. Like if you're in a close game, it could go both ways. Uh, so is there a world where they go under, you know, one of those numbers that you mentioned? Sure. There's a world where they do, but I think 
I feel pretty good about the overs. Uh, I would take the over. Uh, um, I would, I would, I would try to find that because the whatever the line is, where whoever's offering Caesar, four, four Caesars. If you like the under, you bet Caesars under forty six and a half. If you like over, you go to DraftKings and yeah, bet go, over forty four and a half. Go to DraftKings. I, 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 I'll be okay. I'll be, I'll go very optimistic. I would be really surprised if this team did win at least forty five games. Yeah, forty five and thirty seven. Yeah, that, that seems like that feels like about the minimum, right? And barring injury, I mean, it, it, yeah, it, that's it, that's actually a step back, right, from last season because you guys won forty seven last year, and they well after, they played at a fifty three win was, pace after yeah. acquiring Hart. Um, so well, fifty three, so it was fifty. Uh, I get all these numbers mixed up. It was fifty three win pace after acquiring Hart, but. Also from oh from December fourth from December fourth on it was a fifty three win pace and then if you take out the last uh, I forget how many games they didn't care about at the end of the season I think it was two yeah. games uh, if you take those out it was fifty seven win pace after after hard now granted it's small sample size right it's twenty something games but you know added Divincenzo I think he'll help um, so yeah we'll we'll uh, we'll see I feel I feel good about the team but they're 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 going to be a good team we'll we'll see what that means and what that looks like, but I think they're going to be good. Yeah. Barring injuries. I, I feel like the league is expecting the same, right? They have 25 or 26 national TV games this, this season. They're on Christmas. They a lot. Yeah. yeah. They're on Christmas playing the bucks first game on Christmas day. I mean, a lot of people are expecting definitely a, a, a good team. Um, again, we don't need to get into definition of success or anything like that, but um do the players, do the players themselves have the expectations that they, this team as con- currently oh, constructed, sure, are going to win and, and advance in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I don't know. I think Tibbs is a guy who's like, <laughs> he talks a good game. I think he knows this team needs needs a guy. Uh, but like, look, he's, he's going to go into every every game thinking he can win it. He's just happy to have a job. <laughs> I just, I just fucking. Hey, listen, I, 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 think, I don't think he's getting another job after he leaves this one. Whatever that is. Well, just because of age, I think yeah. you know you can look at him like a Buck Showalter, who, because of age, won't get a, a next gig that lasts too long, but is a blank guy, basketball guy or baseball guy, whatever you want to say. They are a pure lover of the sport that they coach or manage, and they do the best they can to give their team the best chance to win every game. And that's I just I think Tibbs is better at that than Buck was with the Mets. Um, but nonetheless, it's that old brand of of savant. Um, yeah, Zach, Zach just doesn't like Tibbs because Minnesota. So that's, um, you know, that's, that's a, Car- I, think he's, Tibbs, I think he's doing great. No, Tibbs, I think he's Tibbs liked basketball really too did. much for Carl Anthony Towns, um, which yeah. was the real. That was a real quote. Right. I'm not, I'm not yeah. trying to be mean. Carl said that. So that's, that's no, I wish you would have chose Jimmy over Kat. I really do. So, I don't. Man, I, I think. I think. I think Tibbs would have. I think your front office is the people in question there, right. John. One yes. last question for you before we let yes, you go yes, yes, yes. and wrap up all of this noise around OG Ananobi, who oh okay, I didn't think not, he was fish up there, not right? a superstar player who is no. not a considered a star field. player, but to me, it's a step for the Knicks ahead of that leap to a superstar. I'm just still thinking complimentary players. If you're a front office and you think to yourself, I'm going to get a superstar and I'm going to put Quentin Grimes and OG Ananobi and Jalen Brunson next to that superstar and Mitchell Robinson, even, I think you're really happy, you know? So 
that to me strikes me as if if the quickly extension happens and in a year they want to move him, whatever it is, how do you feel about OG Ananobi? Is he someone you would swap Barrett out for, or is he someone that your your condition would be all right? I'll swap Barrett out and bring Ananobi in, but there better be a star along with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is gonna be very hard hitting analysis. I mean, how many guys? are there in the league that are OG's size. So OG size, and you feel pretty good about they could defend one through four at something close to an all NBA level, all, all defense level, excuse me. Six, six, seven, two thirty. The guy's fucking brick shit house. Um, and he's a 30, he's a 38% career, 37, 38% career, three point shooter. Right. And like, yeah, there's, there's the creation stuff, which is like, is that a, is that a plus or a minus? Right. Cause he, he, if you listen to what people say out of Toronto or what has been said at times, maybe it's not out of Toronto, but like, whatever the, the thoughts that he wants more, more on ball opportunities. Like, is that an impediment? Is that something you don't want to deal with? Is that a, is that a positive? I mean, he's, what is he? 26 years old. So who knows? Maybe. Um, but like, again, talking about guys who could be on any roster in the league, um, I mean, Devin Vassell just got 30 a year, right? 30, 29, 30. Obviously, he's younger than OG Ananobi. And um, 135 guaranteed. 135. One, okay. 146 total. So t- thank you. Uh, so 27 a year guaranteed. And he's a little bit more theoretical, I think. I love I love Devin Vassell. I think Devin Vassell's awesome. But like he's theoretical, but he's he's good right now too. Oh, he's awesome. The guy averaged like 19 points a game last year and he was efficient in the whole thing. But like in terms of defense, like he hasn't defended yet, like OG. It's that's more of a projection, right? Um, OG's been a more a better, you know, again, three point shooter over the course of his career. And so like I don't know. I, I I'm assuming that like this my point is like OG's gonna get 35 or 40 a year. And I I won't be surprised. Maybe some people will be surprised. Like what you're paying what this guy to uh, who's never made an all-star team, but that's just like the value of, of that particular player type. Um, so he was a group when I give up RJ Barrett for him. Oh man. I, isn't this fun? I mean, I would, I, I would, there's a, there's a few too many things to me that need to go right for RJ where I don't and even if they go right like I'm wondering is he ever going to be like OG it's like defensively oh, RJ RJ's never going to defend like OG OG OG's a star I in thought his he role. did a lot, not lot, two years ago, two I, years thought ago. Not, I thought he was that elite this like, is a Knicks team last year this is a know. Knicks team founded on guys who are stars in their roles um, and I think Ananobi fits that bill. It's why he is, he's someone yeah. I'd watch out for. I'm also who first reported last year that the Knicks were the mystery team that offered three first round picks for him because they were genuinely interested. It was one unprotected and two protected. It wasn't a whole load of, of assets, but you know, that's something um, I would assume the price remains around there because no one met that price, but now Ananobi is still a hot commodity apparently. So well, price is probably around there still. And like, I'm, I think, what, one of the things, just as an NBA fan, I'm fat, and again, my the Knicks tie in here, obviously, but like, I'm fascinated by, is, so like, OG's obviously an expiring kind. Well, he he's obviously he's going to opt out of his player option for for next season to become a free agent this summer. Like, so there will be 
teams that can offer him a max contract. I don't know if he's going to want to go to those teams, but like, what does that bad max? Yeah. Well, what does that look like this summer? Like, what is that? What are those sign and trade negotiations? What do they look like between Masai and OG's camp and team X, you know, uh, if he gets to that point and who knows, he may, he may be, he may be traded tomorrow. He may he might be traded in February. Like we have a long way to go, but like, if it ever got to that point, I'm just fascinated by, cause I don't think I, I who the hell knows what Masai is doing at this point with the talent that has just walked out the door. That's neither here nor there. Um, but I would imagine the Knicks will continue to monitor <laughs> the situation in Toronto. Is that a good way to put it? That is uh, actually the way to put it. That's Ian's way of always. Yeah, uh, because they'd be fucking idiots not to. Sorry, I don't know if I should curse on this podcast. Uh, you can. Yeah, no, because he's just like, man, that dude's that dude's good. And he's still young and he, he might be getting better. So I, I like him. Again, it's like you don't hear. Let me say this last thing I was like, you don't have to be in love with OG Ananobi to be like, oh, I think the Knicks should really explore giving up real real stuff for him. Every because... team in the league should explore that. He's that yeah, guy. you know. He just fits um, every team perfectly. Very few players can do that. Yeah. That and there's and there's and there's real value um in having that guy on your team. So we'll see. We'll see what they do. Well, my man, I want to ask you one last question, and that is what is your favorite Knicks team of all time? Oh, uh, the 99 team, the team that went to the finals, uh, in, in 99. Yeah. It's pretty well. I mean, it's pretty well is like, I'm, I have a big poster of pretty well. I'm looking at it right now. I was going to say that's, that's your favorite Nick. I I mean, in your, in your heartiest heart, in my heart, like Ewing, Ewing is like, like, look, if you're a Knicks fan who remembers the nineties, you kind of have to say Ewing's your favorite Nick of all time, but it's pretty well is, he was a different cat, man. Uh, that and that, and the the funny thing about that, and you, none of you guys were alive for it, but like the team in the regular season, that was one of the most excruciating regular seasons in in the history of the team, because they were coming off um a good season. They had made the Eastern Conference semifinals the the prior year, you know, and they had like all these years where they were solid, but. They were 27 and 23, and it was an ugly 27 and 23. I mean, like, if, you, if you're if you bored one day, go back and look at some of the box scores. And not just the Knicks, the entire league. The, the entire league, they were just thrown into a season in which they were not ready to play and the whole thing. But, like, my goodness gracious, some of the games that were, like, 67 to 58 or whatever. Like, that that was that was not an abnormal thing back then. And they, and they were not good. And then they just, something clicked, you know? In the playoffs, some click actually it clicked towards the end of the regular season, and Van Gundy has talked about that. But yeah, that that team is um, always going to hold a special place in my heart. Love it. I think your pod with Van Gundy that was an yep. epic one. I, I loved it too, man. Talking to that guy was such a trip. Uh, he's, he's like a saint to me. There's there's something about getting to to dive into a, a ball pit and just be a kid. That would and... be me interviewing Flip Saunders. Ah, I rest love it. May rest, in, rest, in, May rest in peace. But yeah, you know, speaking of historians, that's why we had John on. Uh, we want to thank you as a trio here for taking the time, but also from our listeners for sharing your insights with them, uh, as I'm sure they'll enjoy. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for taking the time. I know it's late. So that's <laughs> Vamoose, Scram, you name it. But thank you. I thank finished you, writing a new. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. I have to go finish writing a newsletter right now. But not, um, I was going to say, not before you plug whatever it is you're going to plug before you get out of here. All right. Plug anything. Just 
good. Next, fil- next film school. That's that's the plug. There it is. All right, John. Thanks for joining us. We will catch up with you about these Knicks at some point. We have to. This is going to be a team that is talked about a lot, and we don't know when that's going to be. But when it co- when that time comes, that time is going to come. This front office is going to get very aggressive. Thanks for joining us. And if you're at home, like, subscribe, five-star rating, you name it. Continue to support the show. Thanks for tuning in.